Do scents evoke memories and transport you back to being on the beach during your favorite vacation? I know they do for me. Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil smells like summer or the beach in Aruba, bottled with all natural uplifting notes of mango, mandarin, grapefruit, lime, and cypress. But it's not just about the elevated scent. This body oil is clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and deeply moisturize, leaving skin silky and soft. It delivers that coveted post-vacation glow, like you just returned from a tropical getaway. And right now, you can get 10% off your first order with our code YOGA at OseaMalibu.com. I love Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil. I use it every single day and I have for so many years. It makes me feel silky smooth and just glowing. This body oil is rich but never greasy and clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity. It visibly firms your skin, leaving you more sculpted and toned. No wonder I feel so great after using it. But it gets even better. With Osea, you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Osea's products are clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. They are a women-founded company that has been making seaweed-infused skincare for over 28 years. So bring on summer. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean vegan skin and body care at Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code YOGA at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off. Welcome, everyone. It's time for a brand new episode of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. I uh, I don't know how to start the podcast today, to be honest. Uh, wow. So this week, today, this day, it's interesting. I'm recording this on Thursday, so... This podcast is out every Friday. If you're listening on a Friday, I recorded this podcast yesterday. And uh, normally I don't record this late in the week, or I try not to record this late in the week. And I almost made it yesterday recording on Wednesday, which is my normal day to record. And if I would have, if I was, if I wouldn't be sitting here right now, but if I did find the space and time to record last night, this week's podcast would have been very, very different. It would have been a totally different episode. I might even have felt waking up on Friday morning like, oh, you know, I can't believe that's the podcast of this week just because it's Thursday today and today the world changed. So uh, yeah, before I dive into today's topic, which I really don't want to, but of course we're going to, um, just a little background. So background to me in my personal life. <laughs> Dennis, um, my dear husband, he just left for Aruba. He has a, a two-week trip in Aruba for a variety of reasons. He needs to go figure out a visa thing. He also has some business to take care of. And uh, we have the home course starting soon. And once the home course begins, he can't leave because we need him for the, or I need him for the lives every week. So he decided to go kind of spontaneously just to make this trip happen. And uh, he almost didn't make it. It's been a, a, so much snow and the weather has been really crazy. So they canceled his flight three days in a row and it kept getting postponed. But finally this morning, he actually, actually left. So I'm alone for two weeks, which feels, it feels in a way, I don't know, I get this weird feeling that when I'm alone, I am more organized. 
when I'm alone, I get more things done. So, in a, which isn't really true. It's not like Dennis is the obstacle in my life or the reason why my life feels messy. But I have this core, very ingrained idea that I, I manage well alone. So in a way, I feel like I'm going to have a good and productive two weeks. And in a way, I feel a little bit terrified, like, man, okay, I'm not, I don't know. It's always a little bit daunting to be single parenting. If you're not a single parent and you do this magic every single day, I'm forever in awe and on my knees for every single parent out there. But we've also had a, a rough week in terms of sleep. Uh, last night, I got the five hours, barely the night before six, I think. The whole week has just kind of been like that. So I just, I woke up this morning feeling really raw, feeling really, feeling really vulnerable. Yeah. Just inside of myself, the way I was just feeling really raw. Said goodbye to Dennis. Got in the car with Leia. Leia still struggling in school a little bit. So every, yeah, Dennis does, has an easier time dropping her off at school. So We've been doing that for the past few weeks. She's much less, she's not as sad. We don't have any separation anxiety when he drops her off. But when I do, for some reason, it's harder to leave. And uh, she had two kind of bad weeks at school. And then one good week. Last week was a really good week. She was super happy. And then this week, again, it's not a good week. And that also makes me feel really shaky. It's this feeling of, uh, unsteadiness, this feeling, it's kind of this feeling of like, I need Leia to thrive and I need to know in my bones that she's doing good. And from there, like the rest of my life unfolds. And now I have this fundamental kind of feeling like, I don't know if this school is a good fit. I don't know if she's happy there. And there's nothing wrong with a school at all. This could just be a phase, could just be that things are new, could just be a bad time. It's like a combination of stuff. And maybe in a few months, I'm going to be raving and be so excited and so happy about this amazing school. But I think the timing of us arriving in the middle of COVID time has been super challenging. They had so many teachers sick. They were asking, you know, kids to stay home or parents to keep their kids home if possible. And um, Leia's main teacher, she had this main teacher who's the person who um, who we did the first week with and who's kind of been like, to me, the one I thought would be her anchor there, is ill or she, she's not there. And she never came back after the first week. So then there's the second teacher who I didn't get to know as well, but like, okay, so I guess this is her main, main person now. And then now she's sick and sick a lot. Like if the whole school is just all the, all the teachers are really, yeah, I think it must be a really hard time. I'm not judging or saying that's, you know, it's, of course it's out of everyone's control, but now this whole week, it's like, I don't know any of these teachers. They're all substitute teachers and I'm grateful for them. And I know their work is super tough, but this feeling, at least I, I'm sure parents out there can recognize of dropping your kid off with people you don't know at all, you know? And I really make the effort to like ask their names and how are they and just to get a feel for them. But with COVID regulations, which the school chose to keep, even though Sweden has like let go of every regulation, Sweden has downscaled. There's it's, there's no pandemic in Sweden anymore. It's just a flu. So that's kind of how they're talking about it now. All restrictions are gone in every way. But the school chose to keep this old COVID thing of parents not entering the school. And uh, 
And I really, I was the only parent who voted because there was a vote. I was the only parent who voted. Like, I would love to walk in school with my kid. I would love to like help her, you know, put, hang her clothes up and have a moment to chat with other parents and with teachers. And like, I really miss this community feeling. And we're brand new to this area. We don't know anybody. We have like, Leah doesn't have a single friend she can have a play date with. And even if she did have a great friend in school, like I don't know their parents. So it's not like I can invite that kid home to our house. They've never met me, you know. And not a single other parent in the whole school voted for that. But everyone is just dropping their kid off outside, outside of the door. And the teacher opens the door and like kind of pulls them in, them inside. And I hate it. I hate it. I really hate it. But I guess it's smoother and it's easier for the teachers and it's easier for the parents. And they had mentioned that it makes this, the mornings... Yeah, go like the drop-offs are quicker and there's less separation anxiety, they say. I have not had that experience, obviously. But anyway, so just this feeling of like dropping her off. And this morning, I'm already feeling unsteady that like I don't know these teachers, these substitute teachers and these teachers from other groups that they're putting in. Like her teachers are not there at all. And it's already so new. And then this guy who I, I mean, this this teacher who I hope is, I, I think is super sweet opens the door and looks at Leia and calls her by the wrong name. Really loudly, really excitedly. Like it was very like, it's kind of like, hey, Susie, how are you? Welcome. It wasn't Susie. I don't want to mention any other kid's name, but, and I'm like, no, no, this is Leia. And you can tell Leia just like shrunk, like looking at, looking at the teacher, like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, you look, you just, you look a lot like Susie. So sorry. And then you could tell like they were genuinely mortified. And, you know, like I could tell this wasn't someone who doesn't care. Like that person really cared that they had said that they like miss got her name wrong. But I'm just standing there like, okay, I don't know this person. And I and I and you don't know my kid. And I'm just leaving my kid here all day. I don't know. This is not a big, big deal. I feel like I'm I feel a need now to minimize how I feel about all this because there's way worse things happening in the world, obviously. But for me, there's this general feeling of instability, I guess, and just having that like, oh, they don't even know her name kind of, yeah, made the morning. I'm almost crying now. (laughs) Not about this. I mean, about this, but yeah. So anyway, I'm dropping her off and um, I had to stay in the car afterwards just to like take a few breaths and like, okay. And it's also... Like if the school isn't right. And the reason I, the reason I don't know is because she's cranky. Every time I pick her up from school, she's not happy. Every time, like every time I pick up, she's happy there. Like she comes running there, but in the afternoons, she's just super cranky. And maybe it is because she's tired and she has a million impressions and she's processing. And I don't know, but like, I know my kid and she's not like running to school overjoyed and I am not running to school feeling overjoyed to drop her off you know it's just so this is a Waldorf and I really really love I love the philosophy behind Waldorf I do I love she was in a Montessori before and I felt like okay Montessori is awesome she's loved Montessori but Waldorf is even more aligned with like our values as a family and totally organic and super nature-based and they're outside so much and like follows the seasons and everything is natural materials and like you know it's 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 all in alignment with who I am and with what what we already do 
And there was only one Montessori school in the area and we couldn't visit when we were here last year. Because of COVID, they didn't let us visit, but this school did let us visit. And it's super cute. And the teachers were so sweet and kind. And the principal was so sweet and kind. And we felt so at home. So we were like, okay, let's leave Montessori and we go to Waldorf because it seems like that's our option here. And it seems really great. But now I have this feeling like, oh, like she so thrived in that Montessori style classroom. You know, we're at this age. I mean, she's almost five and they have these stations and little table setups. And it's like... You get to choose your thing that you do that day. And she plays so well on her own. She loves to just work and do work on her own. She still kind of does that Montessori style thing in her own room at home. Like all day she can spend in there like working on one thing, working with beads or or doing scissor work or um, doing like letter. Like she, she just, she, she really thrives in that environment. And Waldorf before they're seven, there is no real like academic learning, which I don't really care about in that sense, but it's not as structured. And I think she really, really thrived with that under that structure. So I'm not feeling good. Dennis is not feeling good. And we don't know, maybe we just arrived in the worst time and they're just totally struggling. But because there's not a single parent that I am able to make a connection with that I can ask, I don't know, right? If I like had a chance to meet a parent at pickup or drop off and like introduce myself and make get to know somebody, I could ask, you know, how is it? Like, how do you, how is the school for you? How are the substitute teachers when teachers are sick? You know, is this a, is this a normal time? Is it always like this? Like I have this kind of distant feeling. Like, I don't know what she's doing all day. I have no idea what she's eating all day. I don't know if it's going well or not. And all, every time I ask, I have to ask a new person, right? So I just, it's not a great feeling. But then becomes the big thing. Like if we try to change her school and in Sweden, you have this thing, you have to put your kid in a queue, and then, because there's always like a massive demand for the big schools, it's really hard to get in and there's a long queue and a long line to do that. And if I do that, what if we were to try another school? And what if it's worse? Like, what if it's not going to be better? And then it's like, okay, I created even less stability in her life. I pulled the rug from beneath her again. And now it's like, and that idea is much worse. And maybe this is just a bad season for the school and it's going to be much better and I'm going to feel better later. I don't know. But I feel this like, oh, like I'm in this really horrible, sensitive parenting moment where I really don't know what to do. And it's so important. Yeah, I just feel her well-being is so important. Like sitting in the car today this morning after like that teacher got her name wrong, I almost went back in and I'm like, okay, I can't. Like now this is me and mine. She's super happy in there. And she's not saying that she's unhappy there. Like I know when she's there, even if she has a hard drop off, like she's happy. They say it lasts for 10 seconds. and. But like I come early for pickup if I can and I just want to like peek and spy on her a little bit. Like how is she doing? Who is she playing with? Is she engaging? Is she with group? And she's speaking English, you know, and it's been months and her Swedish is pretty good. But I keep catching her speaking full on just all the way English with her friends and her friends don't like those people, those other kids don't speak English. So I'm wondering if it's like a language thing as well that's making it hard for her to really integrate She's missing nuance. Like she's a really intelligent child and emotionally like super mature. So I think I think if she misses the nuance of stuff in Swedish or she can't communicate perfectly the way she wants when she's storytelling and explaining things in Swedish, I think she's just going to re revert to English. And when she does, the other kids don't get her, you know. 
So yeah, I'm just worried he's alone, you know, and I don't know. I'm having... Anyway, this is not what this podcast is about. I I almost just said, sorry, I'm venting. <laughs> like we're like having coffee together and I'm just like loading all my stuff on you. But this podcast is fucking from the heart. And that is my heart. That is my morning. And I'm just, I sat in the parking lot, almost crying, not feeling good, not feeling really safe, like just feeling like unsteady inside of myself and also feeling really raw and vulnerable because I haven't slept all week that feeling. So I decided like, of course, I'm not going to pull her out of school. Like she's going to stick with this routine. It's good there. It's safe there. Like this is my insecurities, my feelings of unsafety. It's a hard thing to balance as a parent, you know, your own fears versus what is a fear, you know, your own past trauma versus what is a threat. It's super hard. And I have my own traumas and my own wounding around safety as a child around abuse, around all of these things. And I don't want to transfer that trauma onto her by seeing threats and by seeing unsafety everywhere where there isn't any, you know, just because I have a hard time trusting. But then, of course, there is unsafety in the world. There is unsafe situations, unsafe people. There is abuse. There's all these things happening. So how do you balance your past, like warning signs of like everything is dangerous, with your true intuition and what actually is dangerous now, you know, like what is my intuition telling me this is a red flag, something's not right here versus this is just my feeling of things being messy and uncertain and that triggers fear inside of me. I am super struggling with this right now. Not that I think that she's, that something bad is happening over there. Absolutely not. I don't mean, didn't mean to say that. I just had that feeling this morning of literally leaving her with people I don't know and I'm sure that, you know, here's the thing, her old school in Aruba, like there, there was times where people were sick and they had another person come in. But because I trust those teachers and the principal and the owner of the school so much, I trust whatever person she would bring in. I don't have to question that because I trusted them. But I haven't had enough time here in this new school to build that kind of trust. So then immediately I get suspicious when there's new people there. And yeah. That's, that's just what it is. Sometimes in life, skepticism can serve you well. It can save you money, keep you from wasting a day at a timeshare presentation, and help you avoid spreading gossip. To be honest, when I am faced with a new scenario, I usually tend to be a skeptic until something proves me wrong. And if you're like me, you can probably spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away and read labels like it's your job. That's where Ritual comes in. They know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. Their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has high quality, traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. Take two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption and you'll get nine key nutrients. Ritual's Essential for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. On top of that, Ritual multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I take my vitamins every morning with breakfast. It's part of my daily ritual and I feel so good doing it. 
No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl for 25% off. Anyway, I don't know if it's just tiredness or it's vulnerability or it's the state of the world, or it's uncertainty, or it's fear, or it's intuition, or, but yeah, it's a raw and vulnerable day. So I drove home, and I'm the kind of person I wake up, I don't put my, I don't turn my phone on right away. I mean, I have my phone always on, on airplane mode, and not in the bedroom area of the house. Like, I try to keep all the electronics far away when we sleep. And I don't go to my phone right away. I'm not like on Instagram scrolling. That's not how I start my day. And generally now with just the, the the routine of the morning is I get Leah ready for school. I make her breakfast. She had, she has this oatmeal that I can't believe she likes. It's like a, it's an oat free oatmeal and it has hemp and amaranth and quinoa. It's like all these like really hardcore superfood stuff. And she has that with like a chocolate tahini that she loves. So she calls it her chocolate oatmeal. She has that. She had that and a green juice and some tea. And I'm getting her dressed and she has all these layers. And like we're doing the thing with her. And I'm paying this very, I'm paying a lot of attention, making sure she has a very grounding morning with time. No rush, no stress, no panic. Because I know that sets the tone for drop off and that sets the tone for school. So I'm making a big effort that she has like an hour and a half, like she has a lot of space in the morning. And then we say bye to Dennis, which was even more sensitive thing, you know, but it was okay. She just cried a little bit. She was fine after that. And then like, I, so I don't do anything for myself is what I'm trying to say here. Like it used to be our Aruba routine before we kind of lost the house to mold and everything used to be, I would wake up before everybody, right? That was my general thing. And I would go to my yoga space and I would practice where I would go and I would make tea. I would like sneak up and bring all the dogs with me so no one would bark at anything. And like I would have a moment and then Leia would wake up and she would come up and be with me in my practices. And then Dennis would wake up and he would do breakfast and usually get her dressed and brush her teeth. And that would happen really quickly then. I don't know. She would generally then, like she would have breakfast in the car. It was just a different energy. Dennis would make pancakes or a sandwich. And he's just like, you know, you put your shorts and your uniform shirt on. And then you have like flip-flops or Crocs or like whatever piece of cake shoes. And then they're out the door. Like that used to be the morning. It was very, it was much quicker. Because <laughs> it's Aruba, you don't need anything. And he would almost always drive her. So I had that moment for myself right in the morning, right when I woke up. And now it's a different thing, way different. And uh, <laughs> so I'm doing like kid stuff and mom stuff, obviously, first thing. Then I either take her to school or Dennis takes her to school and then I come home. Then I have my moment, right? Then I have my tea. Then I have my my yoga practice. Then I sit in meditation. Then I dance. Then I, whatever I'm doing in the morning that I'm doing for me, or I just take a super long walk with the dogs. Like I have my self-care then. And after that, Dennis and I usually have coffee and breakfast. That's like kind of the thing. So this morning we did all that and I'm not on my phone. And then in the car, I'm listening to I'm listening to Glennon Doyle's podcast that we can do hard things. I mean, I love him. I love Glennon so much. I'm just listening to that. So I'm really into it and I'm feeling really vulnerable and I'm kind of almost crying listening to this pod. I get home, I decide, okay, 
let me open up Instagram here. Here we go. Like start my day. And, um, and that's how I find out and when. So it took me a little bit that I found out that Russia has invaded Ukraine. And for anyone who doesn't, yeah, I don't know, for anyone listening who lives really far away, so I am guessing maybe in the States and in Canada, which I know a lot of listeners of this podcast aren't European, majority of people listening actually aren't in Europe. And so so I'm sure like a, another invasion of a country or another war starting just feels, we're all desensitized, right? to war and to, to military coups and to, to acts of violence. We are. They are fucking everywhere and all the time. And especially, you know, the hashtag movement of praying for stuff when awful things happen, which of course we should pray. Of course we should be outraged. Of course we should post to social media. We should do what we can. But at this point, it's starting to feel, I, it's starting to feel empty to me. Because every three months we're praying for something else and nothing's really changing, right? At least that's how, that's how I feel. And so I, I definitely know that feeling, especially when I was living in Aruba, whenever there was something happening very far away, it's much easier. Of course, yeah, that's how human beings work. The further the distance, the easier it is to, to not feel as much about it, right? Or to feel like a oh my God, I can't believe that's happening or this is really scary, but it's more surface level the way all violent things happening in the world are scary. But living in Europe where everything is so connected, right? It's really small. All these countries kind of jumbled together and something very different. There can be a totally different reality just across the border and the border is always kind of close by, you know? So... Just I'm speaking from a personal standpoint, you know, and just turning on Instagram, it's like, oh, Russia has invaded Ukraine. Oh, there is an actual war happening and it's like a country away, you know. And I was already feeling really raw and really vulnerable and I have spent all morning just bawling and it's just just not really wanting to share that because they're not my tears to shed, right? Like I'm a, I'm a privileged white woman sitting in Sweden <laughs> where everything is fine and safe and my life is, is, is you know, I have, I have no, like my, my problems are mine. My problems are major for me, but they're minor compared to, to problems of others. And I, I just, I just, I just, I just couldn't stop. And there's a feeling, at least in my, there's a feeling in my bones, like a very chilling feeling in my bones, just of unsafety. And that is me standing from this very selfish standpoint of just me, myself, and I. And I kind of, I know exactly how that works. You know, I, I, I share this a lot as like a tool to get out of a depressive season or to get out of like a really low day or any time that we are really in a hole. Like one of my best friends and I, we we have this thing that we're, when we're having a really hard day or a really bad moment, we just send each other the whole emoji. We don't have to say anything. She doesn't have to explain. She doesn't have to tell me what's happened or what it's about. It's just, I know it's very bad. 
you know, and if I send it to her, she just knows, okay, this is very bad. This is not good. And then we know to check in with each other. It might be one of those things where like she would drive over here, you know, or I would drive over there or I pick up the phone or like you go the extra mile because the hole is the hole. But the way to get out of the hole, and I share this a lot, is to look up and around, right? Because in the hole, we are very isolated and we are also very focused on us and ours and me and mine. Not that being in a hole is like we're being selfish or egoistic or anything, but a little bit <laughs> in a sense of we, we get depressed and then everything that's happening inside of us and around us, we, it kind of swallows us up and we lose the ability to look up and around and to actually remember our part of the whole. So the, one of my favorite ways, one of my go-to ways to get out of a hole is to be of service, is to look up and around and go, wait, how can I do something for someone else? Not in that way of exhausting myself or emptying myself for some, for others or turning myself inside out to like be there for everybody, but just an act of service because it pulls me out of that very self-centered place where all I can see and focus on is my own pain. And the act of service not only, you know, brings me to a place of connection with other people, like reminds me of, 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 of the fact that I'm in community, reminds me of the fact that I'm not alone. Like it, it gives this sense of like, oh, wait, there's humans over here. I'm a human. We, we belong together. Like it's that. But it's also, of course, this feeling of, of, of having helped someone. And even if it's something as simple as like helping a, a senior person cross the street or like asking a person if you can help them with something and then doing that, or if it's donating money or volunteering or any of those things. But the actual act of service also, of course, feels good, right? It feels good to feel purposeful, to feel like we're making a difference, to feel like we're part of something positive in all the negative hard things. So in my morning, this morning became like a hole for me. <laughs> it really, it really did. It became, it became a little hole when I'm like spinning in my own thing. And then I'm reminded, <laughs> Like kind of quickly, like I go to, okay, wait, wait. Okay, so what what can I do here? Because it's a, it's a, I think a good thing to balance the despair and, and the scary stuff and the, wait, is there World War Three coming? And are we safe? And oh my God, it's good to balance that with some action, you know, with the, okay, well, what can I do? And yes, what can I do? I can post to social media. I can do the, pray for Ukraine thing, which we should, you should also. I can go to resources to actually find out what are some things I can urge other people to do, which as far as I can kind of tell, just, I mean, it's been a couple of hours, is to make sure that real news outlets, like real actual news and facts coming from Ukraine are being heard and not the Russian twisted version that you're getting from Putin's mouth to major news outlets that actually real stories from Ukraine are being shared authentically and truthfully that's something that we can do so finding those news sources and then sharing them finding those outlets and then sharing them and pointing toward them and, and elevating them yes we can donate money hell yes absolutely but so I just start go I start going for that and that's the moment that I'm reminded that, and this is like embarrassing that it takes me this long to remember, but that's the moment that I'm reminded that, wait a minute, like <laughs> this shit is not about me. 
I mean, it's about me in the sense that I'm a human being in this world. It's about you in the sense that you're a human being in this world. It's about all of us in that sense that when one person suffers, we forget about this truth, but we all suffer. But <laughs> all of this that we're going to be seeing now, all of this, this influx of news media and social media posts, and is this going to be another world war? And where is Putin going to draw the line? And what other countries would he invade? And what's going to be the repercussions from these sanctions coming from other countries? Like we go into all of that, but then it's like, well, well, wait a minute, like this is happening in Ukraine. It's the Ukrainian people who are actually experiencing this right now. And we're talking real, regular people, right? It's so easy when we think of war to put that in a little box and file it away as like something that happens to other people. Or we think about the military and it's also somehow like, people who've made the choice to, to become soldiers or to go into the military who have the training. I, I feel like we often don't individualize soldiers in that sense or the military. Like the military is just one blob. And also we forget that this is, this is real life human beings here, you know, when whatever, you know, reasons that they're there, if it's by choice because they want to be in that place or because they have no choice and they just have to defend their country. It's like nobody actually in their heart of hearts wants to be in this kind of experience, right? Even people who've chosen to, to sign up and to train and to, to get this training to, to be in these places, like nobody actually wants to be in these, in these violent situations. And if you just bring your awareness to the regular mothers and fathers and sons and daughters, I mean, this shit is not about us. It's about you if you're somehow magically listening to this from Ukraine, right? But everybody else, this is not about us. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. I just did something I, I never do. <laughs> that says a lot about this podcast. And thank you for listening. I uh, paused the recording to go have an ugly cry. <laughs> yeah, I was just really, really needing that. And I wanted to spare you <laughs> an actual hyperventilating ugly cry. And you know, this is the thing. It's about, again, it's back to that balance of how do we grieve, like totally grieve the pain of being a human being in this world? Because this is a grieving for all of us from far away 
or not. You know, this is this is painful, this is terrifying, this is scary, this is this is this is hard. And I can sense inside of myself this almost like shame for feeling so much. You know, like there's a little bit of like ridicule to that, to to feel so intensely when it's someone else's pain, but I just I really, really, really do and I can't I can't stop that. And I don't want to cut myself off from that either because I also know that being able to really feel intensely is one of my superpowers as well. Like that vulnerability is really important. It's what makes me me. But if you go into the whole of that, right, where that becomes everything, that's when you lose sight of of what's actually happening. And that's when it becomes really hard to actually take action and to actually be of service and to actually do something. So (laughs) pausing the thing you're doing, whether it's a podcast recording today um, or work or digging through your inbox or time spent with a family, like pausing to let yourself have the ugly cry, to let yourself fully feel and release and embody all of the panic, all of the grief, all the sadness, all the pain that you're feeling. It's really important. And you can do that. You know, if you're feeling overwhelmed today, if you're feeling like all of this, it's choking you from the inside, like put a pause on everything you're doing. Go step away, like step into the bathroom, go into the bedroom, go into the closet or in front of people. Like if you don't care if that feels safe and good for me, I can't really let all the way go. Like I generally don't get to the ugly cry unless I'm alone (laughs) or with Dennis, poor man. Um, Do that right? Do that. Don't pretend like you're not feeling a lot of things that are there because it's like you got to soldier on or to minimize like this isn't about you anyway, you know, because it is about you, but it's not, it's not really. (laughs) That's the balance, right? Like it's, it's not my pain, but it's my pain. And if I make my pain in my personal place right now, which is actually totally privileged and fine, if I make that more important than the real pain of the real suffering out there, that's when things start to get askew, right? That's when we get off kilter. That's when a fucking hashtag on Instagram trends and that becomes more important just to share something for the sake of sharing something, but you're not actually invested in making a change or supporting someone who's in need, right? And I think a lot of us, a lot of people do that. We get really desensitized and it's like we have to jump on the train and say something, but do we actually care? Do we care enough to have the ugly cry? Do we care enough to go online and spend time researching how to help, how to be of service, what to do for other people, and then taking action on that and going to do that thing, and, you know, my, uh, my dad's wife is Ukrainian, um, which means three of my siblings are half Ukrainian. I've never been, would love to go, but I'm really, you know, <laughs> putting myself in a place where I'm in a hole, like all I have to do, and I can do that really closely because I have that close relation is to just put myself in her shoes today. You know, the terror of that to imagine what it would be like if suddenly that was here, that was in my life, that was my loved ones, not knowing if my people are safe, friends, family, not knowing if Dennis has to suddenly go and 
defend the country and risk his life, not knowing if there's a bomb going to be dropped on my kid's head when they're in school. You know, it's like we can't imagining these things as reality is really hard. And part of that is, 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 is our brain wanting to protect us as well. <laughs> and then I look at my dad's wife and it's like, oh, but we're the same. Like, you know, she, like they live 10, 15 minutes away from us. Like she's an amazing person where we're the same, <laughs> right? There's nothing that separates us in that sense. The only reason this is like her fear now and total reality and I'm the separated one is it's circumstance, right? It's happen chance. And it's a lot of fucking men in power, <laughs> like continuing to perpetrate violence that's been ongoing for years and years and years and years. So what do we do about that? You know, I was sitting today when I got out of my hole and I started like, okay, like what's a do, what's an ask, what's a task? Like what am I, I'm going to, and I knew I'm going to go record this podcast and I'm, and I'm feeling raw about the state of the world. Like I want to end this podcast with a list of things that we can do. I don't want this to feel like a purposeless day and a scary day. I mean, it is a scary day, but not just scary. So I'm doing that. And it occurs to me just to to look back in my own memory, just how many of these things, how many wars, how many acts of violence and military coups and overthrown governments, like how much of this have I, just personally, me and my little world, been exposed to since I was born? And I Googled, and you don't have to do this to yourself, but I don't recommend it, but I Google, I Google military acts and I Google wars since 1988 because I was born in 1988. <laughs> and that list is insane. It's insane. When has there been a time where everything was peaceful? When has there been a time where everyone was safe? And I just thinking back in my own memory, like there are certain of those wars that I remember kind of vividly like Bosnia, I can remember, and I wasn't that old, I mean, this was the 90s, so I was, I was a kid, but I can remember these big conversations about the war, about the war happening in Bosnia. Like, I, I, I can, I can remember the feeling of sitting in front of the TV, and back then was one of these, like, old, like, big, fat, square, old school TVs, just, like, with the family, just to find out, like, what happened today, and, I mean, I think I was six, maybe seven when, yeah, something like that. So like I, I have just some, some memories of that. And again, similar to where I am now, like actually same <laughs> geographical location, far away, like far away removed from it, but it's still like the feeling that something scary is happening over there. And one of my best friends in the whole world is Serbian and lived through this war, right? Lived through this conflict, lived through the feeling of never being safe, of not knowing when she could be in the street, that terror of at any moment, a bomb is going to drop on your house. And we talk about that a lot. And I think she's, she's one of the bravest people I know. And she often like wants to share what that feeling of just those years living there in her home, I mean, that being her home country and all the loss and all the, just the terror of that, of constantly every day knowing that it's not safe here. It's not safe. There's, there are no safe spaces what it did to her, what it did to her nervous system, what it did to her life. I made her super strong and resilient and she's a badass, obviously, but it does something to a person. 
And I think when we're not having these conversations, when we're not hearing these stories told, then that thing that's happening over there remains a thing that's happening over there. And it really, as I was just reading through this list of just like things that I remember and, and people I know who've experienced things and, you know, because it had none of this shit happened to me ever, ever. I have no, you know, I can't say anything about this from a personal standpoint other than being far removed from a lot of scary things, right? And what happens or what I started thinking of, it's, it's we all forget that this thing that's unfolding now is going to have effects that last lifetimes, right? The, 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 the things that are happening and unfolding in Ukraine today, it's not going to be over when this war is over. If they decide to put all of their guns down tomorrow and just retreat and this is it, like the, the personal impact for these people, for people who've actually lived through these kinds of collective traumas, it's a lifelong thing. And there's going to be people displaced. There's going to be people, you know, people trying to exile, trying to leave, which is, of course, what's happening now in masses, people wanting to find a safe place. And all of us, everyone, regardless of where people stand politically, regardless of all of that, everyone feels outraged and terrified and, oh, my God, these poor people. And then in a little bit, because this is what happens, right? We see it with Syria. We saw it with Bosnia. We saw it in all, every war ever that there's going to be refugees. There's going to be people looking for safety, looking to, to find their way to something that isn't terrible, right? To, to leave the terror of where they were. And they're going to look for that, look for a safe haven in another country. And then I bet you, I fucking bet you, the same people who are now posting, pray for Ukraine, you think they're all going to be welcoming with open arms when those same people who are victims of war are looking for a new place to stay? There's, I think, majority of those people, tons of those people have opposing political views to that. And, and I just, my mind really went to this place of how many folks actually in their hearts of course, everyone is anti-war. I mean, you must—you have to be a psychopath to not be anti-war, to not think that war is horrible. War should not happen, right? But then, when the effects of that show up on your doorstep, then all of a sudden you're going to be anti-anti-immigration, <laughs> right? No, no, no. This is my country. This is my border here. You know, put up a wall. You know, pass more laws that pre prevent people from finding refuge here, go someplace else, go back to your home country. I mean, just speaking these words gives me heart palpitations. And I think it's really important to, to that we do that self-inquiry, that we look inside and check in with, you know, do my political views and the votes I cast for the people who actually pass laws and make decisions and make real changes happening in this world, does that align with what my heart is telling me about these kinds of conflicts? Or am I sitting here now feeling super terrified and outraged and really sad for the people over there, but then I don't, I don't want to help them later? <laughs> Does that make sense? Are you guys getting what I'm getting at? Because I know a lot of people personally who really are like that, who I know are totally anti-immigration, who have really awful views around refugees and who have really, it's almost like as soon as this becomes a real life person, 
then then they're not welcome. Then it's not okay. But in the group of, oh, there's war happening here and casualties and and that's sad. I don't want that. But then when it's a real human being here wanting to enter my country, no, 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 no. I'm not going to help you here. It's like we need to make sure that our actions are aligned all the way through, not just in the moment when the terrible thing is happening and everyone's talking about it on social media and then I'm praying for them. But then later when they actually need my help, I'm voting for someone who's going to keep them away, right? Or I'm voting for someone who's not going to support them. I'm voting for someone who who believes that they don't have the right to seek help. <laughs> yeah, and because I feel like at least that's where my my brain takes me now is that I don't want to just take action in the moments when it's horrible. It's like I want to live a life that's aligned with peace all the way through, and make sure that I'm voting with my money, with my time, with everything I'm sharing online, with my actual votes in real live elections, that my whole entire life aligns with the peace I actually want to see in the world. And all of the little actions that we take, they, they, they lead somewhere. And I think it's easy when we're in the self-centered place of me and mine and me and mine and me and mine to just vote for me and mine. And we have to look up. We have to look around. I mean, we, 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 we can't just stay in this place where I'm the only person that matters. And I think at least if, if everyone privileged enough to do that, because that's the thing, if you don't have a cause that is totally impacting your life in a major way, you have a lot of freedom around how you vote. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I was having a conversation with this with with a friend or the person the other day that if you're if you're not marginalized it's super easy to not care <laughs> about the policies that that get put into place that keep people marginalized it's like we what we, we got into this conversation talking about like exhaustion like activism exhaustion that a lot of people get tired having having to care and i'm, I'm doing air quotes now having to care about so many different things and this friend of mine was saying it, it, there's always something else and it's always so big and it's always so urgent. But then three months later, there's another big thing and there's another big thing. And in the end of the day, it's like, you don't know, like, what are you, where are you supposed to help? Like, can I make any difference at all? What am I supposed to care about? Like, how am I making a difference? And then I was saying that, you know, of course, to someone who's really privileged like us, doesn't have a major thing. Like I am not persecuted for anything. I'm not like suffering from racism or injustice. I'm not suffering from shit. I'm not living in poverty. I am super privileged. I'm super fine. So I have the privilege to pick and choose between my activism today. That alone speaks volumes. But if you are marginalized, if you are living under 
any kind of injustice in that way, you don't have the fucking freedom to pick and choose if you care. If you're talking about your own life, your own right to live and breathe and work and be supported, your own right to to exist, your own right to live free a life that's free from violence, you know, you're not going to go, oh, I don't care about this tomorrow because it's your fucking life. It's everything. You know, it's everything. And I think it's time we really realize that, that if we're in a place where we're feeling like we have so many things to care about, well, holy shit, we should. And we need to find a way to expand our capacity to hold the grief of the world, to deal with our own personal problems, and to also make the world a better place where we can. And to not just go into the spikes of the highlights of, oh, well, now there's another war, or now there's another refugee crisis, or well, now there's another thing, now there's another natural disaster, oh my God, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed. It's like, yeah, we're overwhelmed with privilege. We really are. We totally really are. If there's not one major thing in your life that's threatening to you right now, fuck, we're so privileged. And I'm just sitting with, what am I doing with that privilege, really? What am I doing with my time, with my money, with my vote? And how can I make sure that I use those resources, they're so precious, that I use them in a way that actually aids people who need it more than I do? Because the things we do today make an impact later on. And yeah, of course, I'm of course, also thinking of the Trump era and the several years of pro-Putin agenda and pro-Putin news. And it's, it's, it's made an impact, of course, in the amount of power that he feels that he has. And there's a lot of people who... Yeah, I think who don't think before, not that this is a Trump thing, I'm not trying to make it that, like you're voting for whatever you're voting for, but it has an impact, right? It has a real life human impact, the things that we do today. And I think if we could all look up and around a little bit more, this world would be a better place. Now, I want to share a list of resources. Now, this is the first day I mean, I'm recording this, it's Thursday, so I don't have a ton of, of things. Um, I've done my best, but here's, here are some things that you can do right now. Okay, so the first thing I'm going to share, and I think this is a really important one because it's hard with all the abundance of news out there, and it's hard with a nation as big and powerful as Russia for, for Ukraine to get actual truth out there. And it's important to follow voices on the ground, right? That we don't just get all of our information and all the news from far, far away. Um, so there's a list of resources here that I have. An account to follow is ukraine.ua. And it's the official Ukraine account. I don't know if it's the Board of Tourism or it's it's a government-run organization. So it's Ukraine.ua. And um, they have just shared that a really great way to be of service is to make sure that you follow and read and listen to and share from these specific outlets to make sure that the information that you're getting is correct. 
So any Ukrainian embassy available in your country, you can find them on your own and they're going to be different for each country, of course. You can find their website online by Googling, you know, Ukrainian embassy plus your country. You can find them on Facebook. You can find them on Twitter and follow to get updates, you know, from a person who also has a link to your country. So you might get updates that are easy for you to digest. You can follow Ukraine's official social media accounts. So that's facebook.com slash ukraineua.mfa. Facebook.com slash ukraineua.mfa. That's Ukraine's official. I love that Ukraine has a Facebook account. It's amazing. I love that this is all available to us. It's amazing. On Instagram, that's the account I'm reading from. So ukraine.ua. You follow that on Instagram. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Ukraine. Online, you can find them at mfa.gov.ua. That's mfa.gov.ua, and they will be releasing ways for people to be of service and trusted organizations to donate to if you want to donate money. On Twitter, they're twitter.com slash mfa underscore Ukraine. So search mfa underscore Ukraine on Twitter and follow them there. Facebook, it's the same. So it's the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. That's MFA. That's why it's MFA. So it's facebook.com slash Ukraine MFA. Now, if you want, you can also follow the president of Ukraine, an actual human being to follow. You can find them at president.gov.ua slash en for English. You can also follow the Ukrainian president Zelensky. I think I'm pronouncing that right on Twitter and on Facebook. And just staying on the topic of news and facts, um, just a reminder that disinformation is a really big part of the Russian strategy. So you'll hear Putin say that they are trying, they're doing this to keep peace, right? Which is absolutely not true. So make sure that whatever you're listening to, that you get reliable and fact-checked news from a good source. The wording um, is really important. So I have this from Ukraine Crisis Media Center. Um, I'm reading this, you know, word by word from their website. So using correct wording when we talk about this conflict is important. And here are some examples of that. Russian troops in Ukraine are not peacekeepers. They are invaders. The so-called LDPR in eastern Ukraine are not self-declared republics or breakaway regions. They are the Russian puppet republics. The occupying forces are not Russia-backed separatists or rebels. They are Russian-formed, led and financed proxy forces. They also share that to help, you can share as much fact-based information about Russian aggression as you can. Boycott Russian goods and services to not support that economy. You can encourage your own lawmakers in your own country to support sanctions put against Russia to make them pull the troops out of the country. You can join or organize a rally, a really peaceful rally in your own country to support Ukraine and your city wherever you are. And you can also send, of course, financial support to the Ukrainian army, to the volunteers, and to the people in need who are suffering from this crisis. I'm going to share a list of trusted organizations, and I'm also going to share how these have been fact-checked. Okay, the first organization I'm going to talk about is called Nova Ukraine, and they have several humanitarian efforts going at the same time. One of them is an organization or an effort called Heart to Heart, which assembles and delivers actual aid packages to Ukraine. And I'm a big fan of sending goods and things needed. 
because no matter how vetted an organization is, it's there's always a little bit of a risk or in some cases a lot. So what you can do there is you can donate clothes, shoes, household supplies, hygiene products, baby food if it has an expiration date of less than six months from the purchase. They need diapers, medication, heart to heart is specifically right now in need of shoes and clothing for kids. And they're also accepting wheelchairs and hygiene items for wounded soldiers and things like that as well. So there are volunteers who have trucks and vans. This is uh, specifically in the U.S. You can actually walk over to one of their listed locations and donate goods that you have purchased if you want and transporting that to Ukraine. To find out where you can drop goods off, you go to NovaUkraine.org. That's NovaUkraine.org. Now, the next organization, this is one that you know for sure. This is the Red Cross. The Red Cross's humanitarian work is helping people rebuild after conflict. So a monetary donation there can help people repair their homes or help pay for hospital bills or help people get the aid and the need that they support as this continues to worsen. So making sure that your donation goes to where you want it to go. You go to icrc.org and you choose the humanitarian effort for Ukraine there on the site. And just making sure there's a lot of these really big organizations you can donate to, but you have to make sure that your money is earmarked to go to Ukraine if you want it to go to Ukraine today. There's still going to be, of course, many, many, many humanitarian efforts and places to donate to. So make sure that it's earmarked and that it just doesn't go into this big fund. You can also donate via directrelief.org where your funds will be earmarked to go directly to Ukraine. So that's directrelief.org and you click the donate button. They also have a really specific list of what has been delivered, what has been donated, how many pounds of medicine and supplies, how many doses of medicine have been sent and how much in medical aid has actually gone to the country and to the people who need it. So look for organizations that hold themselves accountable that are traceable, that share direct updates on where the money is going. And if you find, um, I know there's going to be a lot of GoFundMes and things like that. So anything from actual people in the country, that's where I would put my money as this, as this continues to develop. You know, anything that actually goes to people on the ground is always going to have a faster impact than going to one of the major, major organizations and then having it trickle down that way. So... These are just a couple of ways to help. Finally, you can also support, if this is of interest, you can also support the Kiev Independent, which is the largest English language journalism platform in the country, which is going to be really important now to get news and information out to people who can read it directly. So they have a Patreon and a GoFundMe account. Just Google Kiev Independent and you'll find a way to donate to them there. Now, in addition to this, of course, donating with our money, um, donating with our time, having these conversations with our loved ones, you know, I, um, me and Dennis over the past few days, this is all we've been talking about, as I'm sure this is happening in your family too, especially if you live in Europe, but having these conversations in a way that allows us to feel less distant, not saying that you have to look up and Google and look up at every news story of every horrible thing. You know, don't overwhelm yourself. Take care of your heart. But don't file it away in a box, you know, that box of things that happen to other people. Stay updated, stay involved, stay connected, feel things, feel the feelings, because it's going to propel you to want to continue to take action. And uh, I know you're just one person. I'm just one person. But 
there are things we can do. And you have an impact. I have an impact. So I'm going to wrap this podcast up now. Um, still feeling raw, <laughs> as I'm sure you are. But um, thank you for listening and um, take care of your hearts. Please, please take care of your hearts. I'll be back next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed this show, make sure you listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. Available now for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, and wherever you normally get your shows. Of course, a big thanks to my sponsors. Make sure you support them the way they support this podcast. This was a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio, and I'll see you next week.